Welcome to Coaching Out Loud podcast with Danielle Pyle. Inspiring conversations with changemakers, influencers, dreamers, celebrities, community leaders, and everyday people. Coaching Out Loud podcast empowers people to achieve their full potential. Coaching Out Loud podcast is the unscripted missing link in the life coaching world. Danielle Pyle, a millennial, a coach like no other. She is your girl next door, devoted to inspire, educate, and push you into your destiny. Stay tuned for a new segment. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our singles prayer call. My name is Danielle Powell. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your second, third, or fourth time, welcome back. A special welcome to our international listeners. Also, welcome to all those who will listen to the replay. I am so grateful and honored that week after week you are joining us on this call. I know it's early, but God is truly moving. To God be the glory. Today, we will be praying for getting rid of soul ties, recovery from narcissistic relationships, breaking the hold on demonic attachments and emotional strongholds. We have a powerful woman of God on the line. She is a pastor along with her husband of the Outpour Christian Church. She is an international speaker, prophetic teacher, certified life coach. Her mission is to empower women to become virtuous, to walk in power, love, and a sound mind. Over the years, I have been truly blessed by her ministry. She is a true gem in the kingdom of God. I need everyone to open your hearts and your minds and welcome Pastor Chrissy Lowes as she lead us in prayer. Stay tuned. Okay, I'm not sure what anyone heard if there was anything that was caught. So I'm going to somewhat start over just in case most people did not hear anything. So let me just do a quick check. Can everybody hear me? Yes. 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 Okay, awesome. All right, we won't let the devil get busy in the call. Um, So what I was just saying is that I was commending the host for bringing us together for a singles prayer call because there's lots of singles events, singles conferences, you know, singles panels, but there's not as much focus on prayer. And I was emphasizing how prayer is one of the most vital aspects to our season of singleness, Um, that it's through prayer that we're going to get the patience to wait. We're going to get the grace. Um, even when we don't understand why our season may seem to be so long, um, it's where we're going to get revelation on what God wants us to be doing in our season of singleness. It's where we're going to get the instructions for preparation. It's where we're going to get the direction that we need because direction is very important um, to singleness because where God is sending you, where he takes you, where he keeps you, where he plants you has a lot of effects on who you'll meet, how you'll meet them, and when you meet them. Um, And so I commend her for bringing us together for prayer. I was emphasizing how the Bible says that oftentimes we pray amiss, which means we're we're not hitting the target with our prayers, that somewhere between our prayers and um, the manifestation of those prayers, something is, is getting off track. There's a detour. 
And usually, particularly when it comes to receiving a singleness, our prayers are so focused on, God, give me the desire of my heart. Lord, send my husband. Lord, I want to be in a relationship. I want to be engaged. I want to get married. Um, if we're skipping uh, prayer in the process for other things, like preparation, healing, um, Lord, uh, heal my mindset, my perspective of men. Lord, add to my mindset more wisdom on what marriage is really like because what God wants is for us to come together in divinely arranged marriages because there's demonically arranged marriages, and I have Bible for that, and there are divinely arranged marriages. I say they're demonically arranged marriages because we see that example even with Saul towards David. He said, I'm going to give David my daughter to marry so that she can be a snare unto him. And that is what the enemy does oftentimes is he launches out uh, romantic partners to be a snare unto us, to entrap us, to bind us, to cause it to be a stronghold to us, to cause it to be a distraction to us so that it can be a depressor, an oppressor, a suppressor to our emotions and to our heart to wound us. And so there are demonically arranged marriages. And so um, what God always has, though, is the proper original intention for mankind, and that is divinely arranged marriage. I always like to say that we have a loving, protective father. He's very protective over his daughters, and he wants to be involved in who we marry. And so he seeks to arrange our marriages. He doesn't want us to just choose on our own um, because it fulfills our desires. He wants us to be with who he sees is best fit for the fullness of who we are and the fullness of the destiny he has for us. And those two aspects are really important because if you pick when you only have a partial understanding of what God calls you to be, you're only going uh, to, to, to pick someone who meets halfway or can only match you to a certain point in your mission, but they don't completely parallel who God's called you to be. Um, and so you need to know who you are. And it's in your single season of singleness where that revelation is really downloaded into your heart. Um, That's where God really talks to you about who you're supposed to be, what you're called to do, the vision he has in mind for you. And if we get caught up in only praying uh, for a mate to satisfy our feelings, which is still the flesh, then we can get partners, but they won't match or parallel the promise of what God has called us to. They won't fully match the destiny. And what happens in marriage, and I, and I love my situation because I'm married, but I'm more recently married. And so I have more years and decades of experience as a single woman than a married woman. So I know more about what that feels like than marriage. But from being newly married, married and how God worked in my own relationship, where instantly we had to hit the round running with ministry. We had to open a church soon. We didn't choose to do that. This is thing, these are things that God um, commanded us to do. I realized I had to be prepared when it was time to get married. I didn't have time to work up to being prepared. I didn't have time to get ready, get wisdom later, get mature later. I had to get married and live a life 
um, in front of a lot of people, be a leader to people. You know, I, I don't get as much time with my husband as I would have loved to, to still in my own book consider myself a newlywed. You don't know what God is going to have you thrust into as soon as he releases that romantic door. And so what he's trying to do in the season of singleness is give you a, a peek, a sneak preview of this is the vision I have for your life. So you can't be out here just dating just anybody. You need to be with someone who can match the mission that I put on your life, who can cover you, who can pray for you, who can gird you up spiritually. I'll never forget um, that when I was single, I remember really having a rough time because I went through a rough breakup um, that I really thought we were getting married, and I was completely devastated that this was not going to happen. I invested time into it. I invested heart, spirit, prayer, commitment, faith into this. And so when it didn't work out and, and this person was in ministry, they were a pastor, I mean, all these different things, when it didn't work out, I was like, okay, God, now me and you need to have a talk. Why did you send me through that situation? What, what, why even allow that person to approach me if, if you knew the end was going to be that they were going to let me down, that they were going to be this way, that they were going to be narcissistic, that they were going to be toxic for me, that they weren't going to be a man of their work? Why did you allow it to happen to me? And me and God wrestled with that. But in my healing process, I learned so much about accountability for my own dating life. I learned so much about ownership for my own romantic choices. I learned so much about God as a protector. I, My prophetic gift was stirred during that breakup period because I realized that God was showing me things far in advance, and it wasn't until they finally happened that I realized, oh, wow, God was speaking to me. It made me do so much introspection, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, that by the end of the healing process, and I believe we're always perpetually healing, but what I say, the bulk of the healing process, I was a completely different person because I knew myself on a level that I never would have known had I not went through the experience. And so I went through the healing, which was hard. I went through the healing, which was not about me complaining about what the other person did because the Lord would not allow that. It wasn't about exposing the person for who they were because the Lord told me to cover them. Don't expose them. And I was angry about that. The Lord kept telling me to be still and to be quiet when I wanted to speak out, when I wanted to blame the other person. The Lord always shifted it back to me. And so I'm saying all of that to say that while you're single, this is the time to analyze your romantic choices. This is the time to analyze what trauma you may still be harboring in your heart, either from childhood experiences, either from absent fathers, either from uh, toxic uh, men being around your life or in your family, uh, people disappointing you, you know, um, children that you had with, with men that you did not marry and the resentment that that can cause, abuse from male spiritual leaders, to really take a time to think about your perspective of men, and not just men, but particularly men of God. Do you really believe that men of God exist, or is it a fairy tale in your mind? You really have to analyze. Do I really believe that they're out there? Do I really believe that it can happen? And not only do I believe that they exist and that it can happen, but do I believe that it can happen for me? Because many of us harbor uh, this thought about God that he has favorites and that, oh, he can do it for this woman and for that woman, but he's not going to do it for me. All right, so I believe that he can. I don't trust he'll do it for me. Trust factors 
are not just exposed in relationships when we get hooked up with someone romantically. Trust issues are something that we have with God long before someone comes our way to date us. And so we have to analyze, do I have trust issues with God? And I believe that singleness is one of the biggest tests of your trust when it comes to you and God and how you really feel about him. Because as he has you waiting, you are wondering why. You are questioning if he still remembers you. You are asking yourself, why does God seemingly seem to keep overlooking me? Why is everybody going before me? Why is everybody happy and hooked up and married and engaged? And I'm watching, but I don't get to participate in it. Um, These are the things that we harbor in our heart towards God, and it is a trust issue. And we will bring those trust issues into a relationship or marriage if we don't handle them while we're still alone. And so I could go on and on and on about it teaching-wise, but I want to be obedient to uh, the host and what she asked me to do, which was to pray. And so we're going to pray, but we need to have some targets for our prayers so that we don't pray amiss. So just a couple of things that I want us to focus on. Uh, one thing that she mentioned she wanted me to address is soul ties. And I'm a big uh, believer that soul ties are real. We may have different names for them. You can call it an attachment. You can call it a, a stronghold. Um, you can call it being knit to someone else's, you know, spirit. Uh, but it's a soul tie. Um, and my next book will be on soul ties. And so I believe very heavily in this concept of soul ties. I'm passionate about it, and I'm very passionate about being delivered from soul ties. We can have soul ties that last for years from romantic experiences that only were happening for a few months. We can have a soul tie to the idea of someone. And so even though you've only talked on the phone with them a couple of times, your soul is tied to their potential and the idea of you guys working out. There's so many types of soul ties that you can have, and we have to remember uh, when it comes to the vantage point of God that he can't release us to soulmates when we're still entangled to a soul tie. It would be unfair to the other person, no different than the Lord doesn't want to release a man to you who still has his heart uh, tied and soul tied to another woman. And I know there may be guys and girls, uh, on this call, I tend to just kind of speak towards the women, so I apologize for that. Uh, but soul ties are real, and they're one of the biggest delaying factors for God releasing you into the right relationship. So this needs to be, uh, the end of this year needs to be a time where you really are doing the work through prayer and fasting, because some things the Bible says does not come out without fasting and prayer. Um, and so I would implore all of you who are struggling with a soul tie to add to your prayer fasting, to turn down your plate. I know there um, are a lot of popular types of fast, fasting from television, fasting from social media, et cetera, okay, but I believe in old school, traditional, biblical fasting where you turn down your plate, you do not eat food, you beat your body into subjection to say, Lord, this is how serious and committed I am to wanting whatever this is in me or on me to get out of me and get off of me and stay off of me. And I've had a soul tie before. I know how this entrenched they can be to your heart, your mind, and your spirit. And it takes prayer. It takes consecration. It takes warfare in the spirit. And it takes fasting to break these ties once and for all. 2019 needs to close with you severing the soul tie for real this time. 
severing the soul tie for good this time, cutting off the contact, cutting off the communication. Um, I told our host that prophetically I wanted to release a few words, and that's what I'm going to do um, as we go into prayer. Um, but I believe that 2020 is going to be the year of dynamic duos that there's going to be an increase of marriages, that this is going to be one of those years where it seems like everybody is getting married. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, 2019, the Lord had told me, was a year for, 20, uh, for divine connections, um, engagements, and short engagements. And I can just say personally in my life, I know enough women where I know for sure that that is what has happened this year. What you want to be is a part of those dynamic duos that God is forming. And you can't do that if you're still bound to a soul tie. And so uh, what we have to do is we have to make a decision to be done. And that's the word that I hear for anybody that's struggling with a soul tie is this is a time where you have to make a decision to be done. And I always say that, that breaking a soul tie, cutting off contact with toxic people and, and freeing yourself from toxic relationships requires a head start. The emotions will come later. The feelings behind it will come later. But you need to make a head start, which means this needs to be a mental decision that I'm not going to allow this person in my life anymore. I'm not going to allow the contact anymore. I'm not going to allow the communication anymore. My heart still may be needed to them. I still have feelings for them. Yes, I know I'm going to miss them. Yes, I know it's going to hurt, but I'm going to make a head start. And God will honor your decision and the feelings to match that empowered place that you push yourself into will come with time. But if you wait for your feelings, if you wait for your heart, okay, you may be waiting for a long time. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful and no man can know it, all right? And so what that means is you can't trust your heart in this season. You have to go with what you know, and you have to be led of the Spirit. And so we're going to pray over soul ties. We're going to pray um, that dynamic duos are formed, not just romantically, but that there will be new friendships, that there will be new business partnerships, that there will be new ministry relationships, that the that the mantle of dynamic duos will be upon your life and that that will be your portion. Um, and one more thing that I want to put out there so that we can have some targets to our prayer um, is that around this time of year, because of the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, people really get into a slump and their singleness seems to be really highlighted. And it's a very sensitive time for a lot of people who aren't married, who don't have, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, that they can feel rather alone, especially if they are not very close-knit with their own family. But this does not need to be a season of mourning. This is a season of rejoicing. This is a time of year to refocus on God. This is a time of year where you have to remind yourself that God says in his own word that he will withhold no good thing from us. And so if it seems like he's withholding something from us, if it seems like he's holding us back from a relationship, if it seems like he's withholding us from being found by the right one, then if we really trust God's word, and that's why I said we have to work on our trust issues concerning the Lord, if we trust God's word, then it just means if he's withholding it, it's not good for me right now. 
all right? It may not be wrong for me to be in a relationship right now. Um, it may not be wrong for me to desire marriage or companionship right now, but in the vantage point of God, for whatever reason, he hasn't released it to me. He's holding that back from me right now because he does not think that it is good. Now, we have to remember that the Bible says that his ways are not our ways and that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so maybe, just maybe, what we would consider good for ourselves right now is beneath God's divine vantage point of what would be good for us. And so I can say this from my own personal testimony that, you know, previous relationships where I was crying and, you know, um, mourning the breakup and wishing that it had worked out, that when I finally met the one God had for me, all I could do was be like, God, thank you. Thank you for withholding that person from marrying me. Thank you for withholding that person from proposing to me. If I had accepted that, that was good enough for me. That was good to me in my perspective, from my vantage point. But what God really had for me was like his word says, above what I could ask or think. It was beyond what I could have ever prayed for. And so what we have to do in our single season, especially during the holidays, is not allow society to push us into this place of loneliness and feeling isolated and depressed and hopeless all because we don't have a boyfriend, all because we're not married yet. God is is doing something on your behalf behind the scenes positioning you. He's preparing you. You know, I lived in D.C., um, and so now I live in Dallas for the last two and a half years. I didn't know that my husband was going to be in Dallas. I didn't have any clue that when I moved, marriage was going to be a part of what happened. What I was seeking was the will of God, and the will of God told me that I needed to move. He told me that I needed to go to this place. He didn't mention a relationship. I didn't even have the thought that a relationship would come up. Um, And so, what I'm saying is positioning is everything when it comes to your to your singleness. You have to be in the right place. And I'm not just talking about geographically. I'm talking about in your purpose, in the will of God. Are you doing the things God has told you to do? Are you being obedient to the things that he's told you to do? Are you following his direct, directions and instructions? Because all of those things lead to your position. All right? And I'm not just talking about location. I'm talking about your divine position. Are you in the position that aligns with the will of God so that he can release a mate to you and you are on the right path for yourself to be found? If you're pursuing aspirations that aren't in the will of God, it's taking you out of position. If you're getting antsy and impatient and you're making decisions on your own on what you want to do and where you want to go, you know, I'm tired of living here, there's no men here, I'm going to go move to this place and move to that place, You know, they say the statistics here are, you know, 100 women to one man, so I'll never have my chance here. We can't think like that because thinking like that will make you make decisions out of desperation. You'll choose a path out of panic. And so you need to be in the proper position. Are you at the right job? Not because, you know, being at the wrong job means that your husband is at another place of employment and that's where he's going. I'm saying, are you at the right job because are you fulfilling your purpose at that job? Did God God tell you to be there right now? Or is he functioning you to step out on faith to have a career change? Is he functioning you to start a business? Is he putting it in your spirit to go back to school? Is he little things? They were very 
little instructions that the Lord gave me um, that may not have seemed like a big deal to anybody else, but me following those very little instructions gave me clues to what he wanted me to do and where he wanted me to be. And so this is a season where you don't focus on who you don't have. This is a season to focus on, God, what do you want from me so I can be in the right position? Because if it is the man's job to find you, that means that God is saying positioning is important. And what you're doing, how you're doing it, and where you're doing it all speaks to your position. So this is a season not to feel lonely, but to say God is doing his part on my behalf, but I have to give him something to work with. I have to be in prayer long enough to get instructions from him. I have to be in my own word long enough to to see the word illuminated to give me some clues and directions on what he wants for me. Watching sermons on YouTube is awesome. I can get a rhema word. I can get a revelation. I can get confirmation from watching other people's sermons. But the Lord wants to speak to you personally, individually, so that he can give you instructions. And so this is a season to delve into the things of God, entrench yourself in the word, entrench yourself in prayer, in fasting, in consecration, and you have to trust that if you are doing your part, God, when he sees fit, he will release the right ones to you, all right? The Bible says that though it tarry, wait for it, and then that which will come surely come, and it will not tarry. And so what that saying is, yes, it's going to seem like you have to wait for it, and you will. But when it's your time, not only will you not have to wait, but it was, it's going to come for sure, and it's going to come quickly. I was single one particular year, 2017. I was completely single. I knew of my husband as a distant friend, and our friendship was just growing just a little bit where we were talking more consistently. Um, That was in uh, January of 2017 when he asked me on our first date. We got married that July. Now, am I you know, promoting that people get married quickly? Absolutely not. And anybody who knows me knows I do not believe in, in dating uh, overnight and get married overnight. I had a friendship with him for almost two years. Um, but th- what I'm talking about is from the time that we said we are official, the time that we said it's just going to be me and you, and we're going to see where God takes this relationship to marriage, was from January to July. Now, when I crossed over that New Year's of 2017, I had no idea I'd be married the same year. You, you couldn't have paid me to believe that, that it, would, it would happen that fast. So I don't know how God's timetable is going to work for you. I don't know how long or short he's going to make your process. And I'm not a false prophetess that's going to tell you um, that you're going to be married in 2020. I speak on what I feel the move of God is. It is your job to personalize it and say, God, where am I in what you're doing in this season? I give my testimony to say that don't have preconceived notions on what God's going to do, how he's going to do it, how long it's going to take him to do it, where he's going to do it. Don't have these preconceived notions because then when you are praying, it it is blocking you from hearing what God really wants. It is blocking you from getting a rhema word on what he wants you to do because he's having to break through all of your preconceived notions, all right? You know, my husband was my friend before we dated. I never thought that he was my husband because I didn't know him on that level, Um, and I had preconceived notions, oh, you know, 
he would be long distance. Um, he's a nice guy, but maybe he's too nice for me, or maybe this, or maybe that. I didn't know. I didn't know the fullness of who he was. I didn't know God was going to cause me to move, and that we were going to end up in the same city. Um, so there was one preconceived notion that I should have never had about long distance. Um, I didn't know that. Yes, while he is a very nice man, he will check me at. Um, any point and be and, and not struggle to do so. I'm a very firm hand, a very firm, stern personality. Um, but because he was being gentle and kind with me as a friend, I didn't know that that other side was there and I knew myself. I knew I needed I needed somebody who knew how to handle the spicy side of who I am. All these preconceived notions. Um, you know, and so what we have to do is be open that God could do anything. You could be single right now and next year be married. Okay, um, you you don't know how God is going to do it. What you need to do is worry about the preparation and the positioning. No preconceived notions. You don't know who it's going to be. You don't know how God's going to do it, where he's going to have you, or when he's going to do any of this. And so take off the pride. You might say, well, I don't think I'm proud. I don't think I'm self-righteous. But take off the pride and say, God, how dare I think I know what's best for my love life? Who I marry next to my decision to accept you as my Lord and Savior may be the most important decision that I ever make in my life. It's from who you marry that your legacy is birthed, your children, and what characteristics, what generational curses and blessings they may inherit stem from who you decide to marry. It's going to affect what marinates in your womb. And so these are huge decisions how dare we think that we are even on the level of thinking to choose for ourselves, that we would know what's best for us, that we would know what personality matches us best. We don't know. Leave that decision to God because it's too serious of a matter to, to pick for yourself. God sent me a husband that sent balance to me. I was always subconsciously looking for my match, someone that was exactly like me because I thought, okay, um, how can two walk together if they don't agree? So that means our personalities need to be the same so that we think alike, so that we're always in agreement. That is not agreement. That's similitude. That's being the same. Agreement means balance. Agreement literally means accord. Accord means harmony. And all these words you can look up to verify what I'm saying. Harmony comes from balance. Harmony doesn't come from two notes being exactly the same. Anybody who plays the piano knows that harmony comes from different notes being in a certain alignment to bring forth a certain sound that is pleasing. And so God's going to send you someone who brings balance to your life, not the same. And so I'm a little spicy. He's a little more calm. I'm spiritual, but he's spiritual, spiritual, okay? You know, I believe in this. He believes in that. We have enough of a foundation to be the same and walk in agreement, but that agreement has to come from harmony. So there are perspectives that that God wants to change in you in your single season so that you cannot make these preconceived notions that you know what you need, that you know what you want. Leave that all up to God. Clear out your heart for God to show you what is best for you. And so now I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for the women, for the men that are on this call. Uh, the Bible says, God, that early in the morning will I speak to God. And so some of us are up. It's only 7.30, 8.30, 6.30 where we are, oh, Lord, to speak your face concerning our singleness. 
the the posture of our heart in our waiting season. Um, God, the season that you have us in where it's just you and us, oh, God. And so I pray for every person on the line that is struggling in this season, oh, God, not just in this hour of singleness, God, but some of them have been single for years. Some of them may have possibly even been single for decades, oh, God. They've been patient. They've been faithful. They've been waiting with hope and with expectation, and they are waiting on the manifestation on what they feel you have promised for their romantic future. And so, God, I pray for them even now, God, that you would strengthen their hearts even in this season. God, even your word says that they that wait upon the Lord shall have to renew their strength. God, we thank you for your word because you're acknowledging that you know that waiting requires renewal. You acknowledge, oh God, that sometimes that though it tarry, that we're going to have to wait for it, but you promise that it will surely come. God, you've even acknowledged in your word that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so some of them, God, their hearts are sick because their hope has been deferred, because the desire of their heart has seemingly been on delay. But we know also, God, that your word said that you are close to the brokenhearted, God. So I would mm-hmm. ask that you would be close to them. In this season, that you would be close to them, God, even when the enemy would try to deceive them into thinking that they are alone, that they're by themselves, that they're isolated, that they're overlooked, that they're undesirable, that they're unwanted, oh God, that you would continue to purify and purge their heart, that you would draw them closer to you, and that you would draw yourself closer to them, God, that they would not feel loneliness in this season, that they would not feel, God, that they are by themselves, that they are secluded, oh God. Remind them that you are a loving father, that is protective over his children, that you would not release them to just anybody, God, that you won't even let their impatience, that you won't even let their anger sometimes and resentment towards you to push your hand to release them prematurely into the hands of someone that cannot properly care for their heart, someone who cannot properly match the mission that you have them, God, on the the person who does not match their destiny. God, I pray that they would not choose prematurely, that they would not choose from a place of anxiety and panic and fear of being alone, that they would not choose from a place, God, of desperation, oh, God, that they would have patient hearts, God, that they would have willing hearts, God, that you would renew within them a zest and a zeal for life, that they're so busy fulfilling their own destiny, that they're about their father's business to the point where they're Singleness does not uh, continue to scream in their minds, oh God. We speak against mental torment, emotional torment, people who feel they are being tormented because people around them are getting married, people around them are in relationships and they are not, and the enemy tries to evolve it to a place of torment where that's all they can think about is how alone they are, how they don't have a relationship, how they're not married, how they don't have children yet. And so, God, we ask that the mental and emotional torment will stop. We speak specifically to soul ties, that this would be a season where you would sever the tie, that at the close of this year, God, that you would close those toxic relationships, that you would close it, God, and that you would lock the door, that you would seal it, that this would be a time where they don't return back to the toxic person, where they don't communicate with them, where they go no contact, where they don't respond to the calls and to the messages, that they will block who they need to block, oh God, that they will block them even in the spirit, oh God. We come against those demonic personalities that keep trying to attach themselves to them, God. We come against
against those people who have been sent as distractions. We come against those people that the enemy has sent to have them caught up and ensnared in demonically arranged marriages, oh God. We come against the soul ties. We come against the strongholds. We come against those attachments, God, that are delaying their destiny. Some of you have been in soul ties so long, and it is stripping everything from your life. It is stripping your joy. It is stripping your peace. It is stripping your closeness with God. Some of you, it is even causing a wedge between you and your children and your ability to even focus on mothering because you are so entangled in that soul tie. And so, God, we sever that soul tie even now, God, that people would not stay with people because they have history, that they would no longer be concerned about the history that they have someone, but that they would be more focused on what you're calling them to do and who you're calling them to be in the present, not only the present, oh God, but that you would give them a fresh vision for their future, that while we may have history with people, that it does not compare to what you have planned for our future, oh God. And so we sever every soul tie even now, even mothers who have had relationships with people and have had children by them, oh God, and that the enemy is trying to convince them that the child cannot have um, a healthy upbringing if they do not stay with that person, even though that person is telling them that they do not want to be together, even though that person is showing them that they will not be faithful, that they will not be committed, oh God. Evolve their perspective even now, oh God. Give them a revelation, God, that while it would have been ideal for mother and father to be together, that the Lord would rather them not marry them to get together and there be misery in the marriage, that there will be divorce, even God, from it not working out and separations, that he is not withholding that child's father from them, God, but that you are preventing them from further harm down the line. Get that revelation in their spirit, oh God. We sever every soul tie. Oh, God, we sever even soul ties to places, places that they need to leave, places that from fear they keep staying and so the same type of people keep getting access to them, oh, God. Empower them to move if that's what you're calling them to do, God. We sever every form of every soul tie in the name of Jesus, God. We know that through the power of your blood that every yoke can be broken, that every stronghold can be torn down, God, that you can empower us to make decisions, God, decisions here in December so that we can cross over even into 2020 with a new freedom, oh God, that the things that have bound us, not even for the last few months or last few uh, years, God, but for this last decade, that some of you have been in soul ties for the last decade. And so, God, we want a permanent severing, oh God, so that they can go into not only the new year, but the new decade free. We come against God hopelessness. We come against that spirit that will cause them to think that a divine, godly marriage cannot be their portion. We come against hopelessness in the form of thinking that there are no good men in their area, that because they live where they live, that it's impossible for them to find what it is that they're looking for, oh God. We come against that spirit that will cause them to be hopeless, even God, as they go to church, that they don't see any quote-unquote good men even in their own ministries. And so it is causing a hopelessness overall that anyone would match them, that anyone would come along that would match their desire. We come against that false spirit that makes them think that they will not be attracted to their future mates, that yes, there are good people, but none of them are what I would actually pick for myself. None of them are actually attractive to me, God. We cancel that lie of the enemy, God, that your word says that every gift of God 
is good. Not only is it good, but the blessings of the Lord make it rich and addeth no sorrow. And so if they truly trust your word, God, that the blessing you're preparing to send them, God, will, will make them rich, rich in spirit, God, God, but it will also add no sorrow, which means that it will come with joy, that it will come with happiness, that it will come with satisfaction, oh God. So we cancel hopelessness, God, and we speak new life to their faith. God, we speak new life to their hope. Your word says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The enemy knows if he can rob your hope that your faith has nothing to attach itself to. God, we know that your word says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, God, that you know the plans that you have towards us, that you're going to bring us into an expected end. And so we speak life to the spirit of expectation inside of them, that they would hope again, that they would expect again, God, that they would have vision again, that they would speak out their desires, oh God, that they would write them out, that they would write the vision and make it plain for what they see for themselves, God. Help them to have expectation, God. And even within our expectation, our ultimate prayer is, God, not our will, but your will be done. And in your will, God, we trust that we will be satisfied. In your will, we trust that we will have joy, that we will have peace, that we will have contentment, that we will have happiness, oh God. Your word says that many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. And so, God, we ask that even in this prayer, that those that are single, that they would desire that your purpose prevail over their own preference and over their own plans, that your purpose will prevail, oh God. So we thank you, oh Lord, for renewed faith this morning, for renewed expectation, for renewed hope this morning. We thank you, oh God, that you're severing every soul tie, God. We pray against God, even narcissistic relationships, people that they are attached to that are filled with pride, that are filled with selfishness, God, that are filled with wickedness, oh God, that they get joy out of belittling them, from criticizing them, from condescending them, God. Narcissistic relationships, God, where they stay in contact with them because they like the attention that they are getting from these women, from these men, God, that are having actual good hearts and good intentions, but that all they want to do is rob them for the attention that they give, for a benefit, for a perk, for some type of uh, glory that it brings them, God, but not honoring it with true commitment, not honoring it, God, with true love. We come against narcissistic relationships. We come against that spirit of pride in that person that keeps attaching them to your daughters, oh God. We come against narcissists being drawn to them for their good heart, for their good posture of prayer, for their purity even, God. We pray for those who are pure, that you would preserve them, that you would continue to be a hedge fence of protections around them, God, from those that are manipulators and deceivers, wolves in sheep's clothing, oh God. We come against even that narcissistic spirit that seeks to creep into their ear, God, every so often to cause them to be deceived, to cause them to question their decisions, oh, God. We cancel every narcissistic person. We cancel every narcissistic relationship. We cancel every narcissistic opening, every door that we've caused to be open that causes that spirit of narcissism to be drawn to us, God. We cancel it even now. And, God, I speak to every person whose heart 
meet deliverance, oh God. That we know you to be the deliverer, oh God. That you would snatch their heart out of the pit of despair. That you can snatch their hearts out of the spirit of hopelessness. That you can snatch their hearts out of the pits of depression, oh God. Brokenheartedness for those who have just experienced breakups, oh God. That you would purge them, that you would heal them, and that you would do it quickly, oh God. That they would be able to cross over into the new year free. God, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your deliverance power, oh God. We thank you, God, that you're able to restore their souls entirely, God, mind, body, and spirit, oh God. We thank you for your healing, God, even physically, that those that open themselves up sexually to people, oh God, and they encounter, God, diseases and sicknesses for what they were doing, God, sexually, God, that you have healing power, God, that after they have repented, God, after they have made a decision to turn away, oh God, from that sin, God, that you have the power to heal, that they don't have to be condemned, not even physically, God, with permanent consequence for their decision, but that your forgiveness comes with grace, Oh, God, we pray that you would show them favor in their singleness, oh, God, that you would give them dreams and visions of what you have for their future and that that thing that you show them, God, will be their hope, that it will be their encouragement, that it will be their motivation to wait, to wait on your will, oh, God. We pray that you would give them a new mantle of patience, that they no longer wait from a place of worry but that they wait from a place of knowing that they are preserved and protected, that it's not that they're not being chosen, it's not that they're being overlooked, it's not that they don't matter to you, oh God, it's not that they are not your favorites, it's not that you don't care about their romantic future, oh God. Your word says that you're concerned about everything that concerns us, oh God. We trust your word. We know that you care. We know that you're concerned, God, but we know that you're protective. We know that you take high preventative measures to stop us from falling into a pit of miserable marriage. We know, God, that you're a protective father, that you would not release us into relationships just to appease us, oh God, if it's going to cost us our destiny. God, we thank you for being protective. While other people, God, have let us down, while other people have not told us the truth, while other people did not go through great limps to protect us, God, we thank you that you are not like men that you should like, God, that you are actually a protective father, and we don't resent you for it, God, but we give you all glory, honor, and praise for the great limps that you go to to protect us, God, even from ourselves that you could just give us our desire, God, to make us happy. But your desire is not that we would be happy, oh, God. Your desire is not just that we would be happy. You want us to have joy and fullness of joy. You want us to have life and life more abundantly, oh, God. And so while we were willing to settle, we thank you, oh, God, that you have preserved us for your best. We trust you with the matters of our heart. We trust you with our future, oh God. And even as the woman in Proverbs 31 says, she laughs without fear for her future. That is because she trusted you, oh God. We know that you have good plans for us, God, good heart toward us, oh God. And God, we know that our future is secure. So we thank you. We thank you for everyone on this line. We thank you that someone got an impartation. We thank you, God, that you have confirmed for someone something that they needed to hear, oh, God. And we even thank you for our host, that as she continues to make this platform available for singles, oh, God, that you would be working in her own relationship situation, God, that you would send her someone who knows how to cover not over only her, God, but knows how to add to her ministry, oh, God, that you would continue to give her creativity, God, 
God and that you would link her with people who want to help her vision to grow, God. And we claim that there is a king awaiting for her, God, that knows how to match her mission, who parallels her purpose, and who complements her call. We thank you for this call, God. We know that you hear our prayers, and we expect to see manifestation. We expect to see movement. We expect you to show us, God, that you've been listening to our hearts cry. We trust you with this in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Chrissy Lyles. This was such a blessing. This call was so needed. And thank you all for joining us on this call today. Um, You can follow Pastor Chrissy on Instagram. You can um, log on to her website, ChrissyLyles.com. And thank you all for joining us on today. Have a blessed day. All right. Thank you for having me. You all be blessed. Yes. God bless. God bless. Thank you. Thank you.